Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And we are so excited to be talking to Allie Wentworth. You guys know Allie from her iconic roles in Jerry Maguire, Office Space, and Seinfeld. She's the host of The Daily Shot on Yahoo, regularly stops by Good Morning America, and has written several books filled with wry self-help observations and tips. She's also the mother of two teenagers and is the host of the pretty new podcast, Go Ask Allie. Allie, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here as a guest and not the host. It's kind of nice, right? The guest, you're like, I'll just find out what they want to ask me. Yeah, I'm just going to lay back and sip on my whiskey and I don't know what I'm going to answer, but here we go. <laughs> it's mostly just lightning rounds of trivia. And if you get them right, you win. It's going to be real fun. Well, I need my husband here as my lifeline. <laughs> Phone a friend. My first question is that, so Go Ask Alley is a Shondaland yes. project. That's pretty exciting. How did you get to work with Shonda Rhimes? So I was talking about doing a podcast for a while and Shonda and her company, you know, were speaking to me about it. And it was going to, I think, be more, not funny, but more entertaining. And then when the pandemic hit, I called Sandy, who's Shonda's sister. And I said, you know what? At this point in time, I really think I want to do a podcast about something. And I had gotten COVID and I was very sick and I was secluded upstairs in my bedroom for three weeks. And I could hear my two teenage daughters downstairs. And I thought, how the hell am I going to raise a teenager in a pandemic? And that's what kind of that was my big aha moment. And that's when I got better. I called them and said, I think I know what I want to do. I think we've got it. Yeah. And it's going to morph because the second part of the season, I'm going to do how to have a relationship in a pandemic. Oh, <laughs> good topic. I need that one. So let me know as soon as it's ready, because we're having some trouble in my house. I'm telling you, the more I talk to people, the more, you know, People that had solid relationships are like, I can't find space for myself. People that didn't have such solid relationships are breaking up or they want to break up. They can't afford for somebody to move out. I mean, so I'm sort of fascinated with all kinds of relationships. I even have, you know, aging parents that I can't see or take care of. I don't, you know, so yeah, that it's a whole other ground I want to cover. 
why we have the pandemic. Where do your parents live? I have my mother and stepfather are up in Maine and my father is in Washington, D.C. And my stepfather is 99 and my mother's 85. So they're like hunkered down way up in Maine. And they keep saying like, oh, God, it's going to be so cold. We're going to be shut in. So I'm like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Here's the thing. You've got some practice. You've already been shut ins. Yes. Now, have you done the like drive to their house and stare in the windows thing? Yes. I just did that. I did the, yes, mask outside. You know, just wanted to make sure that they had their, you know, heater was working, the generator that, you know, it was all going to be okay because it's going to be harder for me if I get a call this winter and have to drive up to Maine when there's, you know, feet and feet of snow and stuff. Yeah. Standing in the yard in Maine in January is not a great proposition. It's not as fun. No. I don't care how cute your hats and gloves are. No. And going back to the relationship thing, we've been talking about this. So we started out, we've been a parenting podcast and then COVID hit. And suddenly, you know, we kind of had this moment of like, what are we doing? Are we doing like how to deal with a picky eater? But there's really everything's coronavirus now. And one topic, right? Like there's kind of no other topic. And I think with relationships and with your kids, kids, one of the reasons it's so hard for people is because I got married at 37. So I had this very independent life where I did a lot of stuff without a husband and without kids. And I feel like the bargain I made when I got married was like 32% wife, 61% mom. And then I did a lot of my own stuff still. And suddenly the expectation is that I am 100% wife and 100% mom. And I find myself like, this is not fair. This is not what I signed up for. I'm in the same boat, sister. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Listen, big up. Fist bump through the Zoom window because this is not fair. Yes. Well, it's interesting that you say this because one of the things that I've been talking to people about is for some reason in the pandemic. Okay. So we, I think, a lot of people feel the way you feel. I felt I was 36 when I got married and I had a career and and I got married and I still feel that all the priorities are my husband and my kids. I could say to them, I was nominated for an Oscar and I want to go to the party. And one of my kids would be like, well, I don't feel well. You can't go. And George would be like, well, who's going to make dinner? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the night of my basketball game. <laughs> so I already feel that way. But in a pandemic, a lot of women have been saying to me that, Suddenly, we are all falling into our really antiquated gender roles. Exactly. Yes. Like suddenly, like the husbands or the life partners are saying, hey, what are you making for dinner? And the women are going, I'm sorry, what? What are you making for dinner? I'm on a Zoom, you know, with my stuff, my work or my charity or whatever it is. And it just sort of became an assumption that, women would just do everything during the pandemic. And I will say this, and I'm going to hero worship my husband for a second. When I was sick with COVID, and we have pretty traditional gender roles, George and I, we both work, but he works a lot harder than me. And I'm happy to kind of do the typical female stuff. But when I got sick, George, my husband, George Stephanopoulos, and we had two teenage daughters, for three weeks, I was in a room. So George had to take care of my two daughters, make three meals a day, do Good Morning America from our dining room. <laughs> we had two dogs that he had to throw biscuits to so they wouldn't bark in the middle of a segment, you know, with Pence. And, <laughs> you know, it was a lot. And it was, he was amazing and did it all and also realized how much work it was. Yeah. And, and did George never get sick? He was asymptomatic. Wow. Yeah. 
which if you're already feeling a little claustrophobic in your marriage during the pandemic and then your husband gets sick and has no symptoms no. and you get sick and you get pneumonia, it um, it made me cranky. The not fair column <laughs> is not working in our favor right now. Uh, yes. I was like, oh, God, he's never failed at anything. He doesn't even get any symptoms of COVID. Amy and her family also had COVID. We did an episode about it. Yes. And we just in my family of five, we ran the gamut from completely asymptomatic to I have a long hauler. My daughter is seven months later, still having symptoms almost every day. How old is she? She's 13. Oh my God, really? All I tell people about this is like, the risk isn't zero. The risk is definitely lower, but it's, you know, zero plus my kid for sure. She has no underlying health issues or? No, because that's how we sort of keep the wolf from the door, right? We're like, well, I wouldn't die of it unless I have asthma. My kid would never get it unless they're already an incredibly sickly kid. Yeah, not the case. So yeah, it's deeply weird. And the hard thing for the caretaking parent is that they're handling everything. And the hard thing for the quarantined parent, I imagine for you in that room is sort of like, is this as bad as it gets? Or is it going to get Worse. Were you sick sort of when they were still telling people don't go to the hospital and don't get help? Yeah. So I was sick early, very early on. It's sort of end of February, early March. And, you know, people were really, really scared. And I had to be careful not to upset my kids, upset my mother, you know, so I kind of I downplayed yeah. it a little bit. But I had high fever and aching and it was turning into pneumonia. So I had to get on these hardcore antibiotics. And my doctor kept saying, I don't want you to go to the hospital. Like we're going to do everything we can to keep you out. So I didn't have to go to the hospital. But, you know, it was really the sickest I've ever been. I mean, I couldn't even like lift my arms. I didn't, the idea of like getting up and going and peeing was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can I wait a little longer? I know that feeling. Yeah. Like, is there, aren't there diapers left over from when the kids were little? So, you know, it was rough. It was really rough. And I think people were scared. And one of the reasons George and I decided to do, we did this he did a pic, he took a picture of me and we put it on GMA because people were so scared. We wanted people to be like, it's okay, it's okay. Like I'm sitting up, I'm eating soup. Like, And then we did a video of me coming out of quarantine again because people were so scared at that point to say like, I'm okay, I'm okay. But it was interesting to be so isolated too. Like usually when you're sick, even if you've got symptoms, you kind of you know, you'll sit apart from your kids or you're like, mommy doesn't feel well, but you can watch this movie with me. But, you know, I didn't see them for three weeks. Wow. There was a, no contact. And were they frightened or were they like, I found that my teenagers, when my husband and I were both sick at the same time, they were like, you're not that sick. It's not like, come on. <laughs> yeah, those are my kids. <laughs> yeah, I guess because that's the safe place, right? Like they can't accept that you could really be that sick. So therefore you're not. Yes. And because I'm talking and, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> You're drawing breath, so. But yeah, there was a lot of laughter coming from downstairs. At some points, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's not very nice. But yeah, that's how they protected themselves. Yeah. Was to be like, it's okay. She's like, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. I mean, they were more focused on, you know, oh my God, we don't have school and we can just watch Netflix endlessly. And, you know, they were a little bit liking the all bets are off kind of idea in the house, which by the way, they were. I mean, I don't know if you guys have talked about during quarantine, but you know, something happened, something shifted in our parenting where suddenly the stuff, you know, swearing or all that kind of how many hours they're on their phones, suddenly just we didn't care anymore. You know, like <laughs> we just didn't care. 
I think that was a lot of people's journey. We talk about like, I went to documentary films. Somehow that was going to save me. Like you guys can just watch documentaries. And four days in, my kids were watching like a guy who teaches a dog how to surf. I'm like, I'll count it. I'll allow it. Let's call that a documentary. And then it just, it slid into like YouTube all day. Oh my God. I tried to hold the line because I wasn't sick. And I kind of went into my like, okay, homeschooling, rustic mom, I'll make my bread. I'll teach the children math. And then And I mean, four days later, it was just an absolute free for all. Yeah. No, before I got sick, I was that, too. Yeah, I was making bread and I was like healthy kale salad. And we're only going to watch black and white, you know, old films. And then it's became eating cereal over the sink (laughs) and watching the hangover three on a loop. And it was just works. Yeah. And it was like, you know, what? we're all freaked out. We're all tired. I'm just like, I'm not going to hold the reins so tight. And I think there's some lessons there. And we've talked about don't miss the lessons of the pandemic, too, because those of us who are like, I've read a book and I'm going to make it all turn out okay, and I'm going to have perfect kids because, look, I'm on Pinterest and I make a chalkboard with the meals on it. And when that stuff fades away by necessity and you see that everyone is still turning out okay, there's comfort in that as well. Yeah. Our kids haven't become like feral monsters who don't know how to speak anymore because we stopped making a chalkboard with the list of available soups in the kitchen. Right. Oh, my God. Did you do that? Oh, no, I never <laughs> did. But I'm just saying everyone who listens to the podcast knows I don't serve any food. But I mean, I feel like my feeling that like all the Pinterest moms were out there being good moms and I was just kind of lame and my kids would, you know, turn out terrible because they don't speak Mandarin like that stuff burned off for me in a big way. And I found that kind of comforting. Like, oh, I think everyone's kind of now at my level. And look, we're all fine. Yeah. I also think that unfortunately for me, that burned off before the pandemic. But, (laughs) you know, there was a little bit of hey, we're surviving something that we have sort of no idea how to deal with and have it as a country since 1918. So my feeling was anything my kids needed to do to to deal was I was like, fine, do what you got to do. So we were all eating ice cream every night when I got better. So me and my two girls would decide what kind of ice cream we're going to have tonight. So we like mint chocolate chip, caramel cone, whatever it was. And then we go sit in the living and we pick a movie. And then I went and had my checkup in September and my cholesterol was 360. (laughs) And my doctor was like, what were you doing? And I was like, well, I was having a bowl of ice cream every night with my daughters. That's how we bonded. That's how we got through it. She's like, yeah, well, you can't do that anymore. (laughs) That might have to get dialed down a bit. Yeah, she was like, COVID is actually safer than the amount of cholesterol you have. (laughs) Of caramel cone you are ingesting. Than the pate that you have made yourself into. I know. And I thought, oh, wow, I I allowed myself the same rules, which don't really apply at my age. The minutia of parenting has relaxed a little bit. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to you more, Allie, about the parenting the teens through this time. And it sounds like it's going pretty well, but I want to talk about what's hard also. Yeah. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so we're back with Allie Wentworth. Allie is the host of Go Ask Allie, new podcast, and I wanted to ask you about your teenagers because you kind of talk about how we have to sort of help them with their mental state right now. And I think we're exposed to a lot more of it. Like the, you know, the freakouts about the math quiz, like they're happening at my dining room table. I'm seeing them. There's more distress. I'm also privy to more of their distress because we're together all the time. And I do feel sort of, I feel the responsibility of helping them through it and probably taking on more of it than I should. So how do we like, how do we draw the proper boundaries between ourselves and our teenagers who are trying to self-actualize away from us when they kind of need us in some ways more than ever? Well, this is the problem. This is what's so difficult. I mean, I can tell you what I've done, which is my kids are remote learning. And so I didn't want them to do school in their bedrooms because I didn't want that space to kind of all be one thing. I was trying to separate that a little bit so that, you know, one's in the dining room and one's in a, in another room. And I'm just like that school. And then this is where you sleep or you FaceTime your friends or whatever. And let's try to keep that separate. But that being said, they are not with their friends. So I found that my eldest daughter, she now comes to me with the tea, as she says, like she comes to me as like, anyway, and then he called me and I just don't feel comfortable, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, as <laughs> much as I want to be close to her, like she this is for her friends. You know what I mean? Like, I can't dissect this boy anymore. I've been talking about him for weeks. <laughs> this is not the right role. And you're also probably from your perspective, like, OMG, I know how this turns out. But like, she's kind of got to figure that out for herself. But I know sometimes my kids talk to people. I'm like, that's not a thing. Move on. But I know that's not the right response. But that's right. That's why they need to parse it with their friends. And also my advice 
to my kids right now is actually not appropriate. So there's that. There's a little bit of like, you know, go talk to your friends, which is why I've let, you know, FaceTime and phone time be a little looser because they need that social life. But, you know, it gets complicated. My daughter's applying to college and she's really, really stressed out. I have a kid applying to college, too. It's intense. Yeah. And it's the stress is in our house, which it would be anyway. But there's no relief from it. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't go to school or she doesn't go out with her friends and blow off steam. And, you know, it's just it's all in here. And the interesting thing I noticed was I can separate more from my kids stress and stuff for some reason I can like maybe because I've always had anxiety that I see it in my kids and I go you can deal with it whereas my husband internalizes everything and because now we're been living with our kids without any outlet you know George is much more there for them and you know they're not used to waking up and having breakfast with their dad you know especially during quarantine and so he's sort of in one way it's great he's created such a strong relationship with his daughters because you know we've been quarantined together but another way he's like having the kind of conversations like me that we go oh they should really be talking to friends and then (laughs) he internalizes it you know what I mean then he's like about to cry and I'm like this is not happening to you (laughs) you know what I mean like this is you're okay it's not God, what's it triggering from your life? So it's just a lot. It's a lot of emotion all the time. Yes. And it's no, and I have younger kids. Mine are eight, nine, and 12. And they're really not ready to socialize with their friends via text. My 12-year-old has started doing it. It's not going great. It's a lot of kind of nonsense. And, you know, it just goes wrong really fast because they don't really have the practice of doing it. And my eight and nine-year-olds don't do it at all. And I do think, I mean, one of the things we talk about a lot is separating ourselves from these relationships. And here we are right in the middle of them where they're other person, where they're go between between these people. And I think, again, we have to sort of take this time out of time and say, we're going to eat our ice cream, maybe a little bit less, depending on what Allie's doctor says, (laughs) maybe a little less ice cream. I'm getting a new doctor. Yeah, or get a new doctor. That's probably the way to go. But like, we're going to just kind of be on cruise control now and all try to do our best because there is something so unnatural about this for our kids. And we have a lot of listeners who have really little ones and they're trying to deal with, I mean, I keep thinking like thoughts and prayers to the three-year-old mom out there because we keep getting comments like, I can't play anymore Uno, and I don't know what to tell people. I mean, it is, I think that most of what we can do now is do our best and just try to kind of find some sort of cruise control that we can zen out in. Yeah, and forgive ourselves a little bit. You know what I mean? Take the pressure off ourselves. Good point. The other thing is with little kids, this is what I would do if my girls were that little. I think I would do some kind of a pod situation. So at least I could be with maybe two or three other moms and their three-year-olds so that, you know, the responsibility of interacting and playing is not only on you. You can sort of like, here's another three-year-old you can drool all over or, you know, fight over this cube. And then you have the mothers to kind of go, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Or, you know, that's what I would do. If you could find those people and they were safe to you, I would try to sort of raise my kids right now under the, it takes a village. I think that's right. And I have found we were in full quarantine in the spring Mm -hmm. and now my kids are hybrid. So they're only going two days a week, but it's a different world. The fact that they have two days where they're out of 
my world and with their friends. Mm -hmm. And so I know a lot of people, California, lots of other places are not sending their kids to school. But I think that's a really good voice to give to people, which is it is as hard as you think it is. And you've got to find some valves. So whether that's a pod or, you know, even if you can only do it as like a Zoom group that's once a week and you kind of leave them alone and they're allowed to make weird animal noises to each other for an hour, that valve, I did not realize. You know how when you have a little baby and you're so tired and then you finally start sleeping and it's like Oz, like you walk out of the black and white house into Technicolor and, and you didn't even realize how bad it was. Yeah. And that sending my kids back to school I feel like I didn't even realize how crazy it was in our house until we broke the fever and so Mm -hmm. I think that is really good advice and I know for people they hear it and we have people in every situation right you're on military bases you've got a spouse who's deployed you've got a really bad outbreak in your town there's a lot of factors but putting yourself in that mindset of where can I find that valve for that situation I think is really really good advice and I also think for moms you don't want to feel isolated I mean it's we're all feeling so isolated in general right now so whatever you can do you know, to not feel so isolated, whether it's, you know, FaceTime your bestie or like you said, a Zoom with mom, whatever you can do so you don't feel so alone. I think that's when people start to spiral a little bit and forget, you know, because we lose connection and connection so important. So that would be another piece of my advice. And the other thing is that like with our kids right now, I mean, the experts I've spoken to, you know, they're anxious. They may not show it, but they're anxious. And there is an anxiety undercurrent in our world right now. And even though our children aren't displaying it, you know, they don't have to be like hitting themselves in the head or crying or they are feeling it. And so I'm from the mindset of these kids are anxious. They know there's stuff going on. They're scared. They're uncertain. They know we are scared and we're uncertain. So if you can find moments of giving them laughter and joy and whatever that is. I mean, listen, that's why we did the ice cream in the movie thing. I didn't want to eat that ice cream. No, no, no. You did it as a service to your children. And that is noble. As a, as a service. I think the word hero yes. should probably be used here. Well, it's a hashtag with my name. If it fits. If it fits. Yeah. I let my uh, 13-year-old watch the new Borat movie and then the old Borat movie, which definitely the pre-pandemic me would not. I mean, I think he's a genius, but I would not have allowed a 13 year old to see either one of those. But then but yes, I was like, these might be the funniest movies I've ever seen. And these are totally allowed only because they are they're going to teach you how to be funny. So that's allowed. And the laughter that it has brought to our house has been worth it. And then you realize your kid, your 13 year old watching Borat, nothing bad's going to happen. I mean, really, like, you know, we forget they're learning this stuff on the Internet and from their friends. It's just we're not going to say anything, you know, shocking. I mean, right. My kids, there are a few things that would that came out during quarantine. And I was like, oh, my God, you know what that is? And they're like, of course, I know what that is. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. oh, God. So I have another teenager question. So my kids, my 13 year old is at school. She gets to go to school, which is terrific. I have two high school boys who are still home. They're doing full remote. Amy's soaking in it. Yeah, they are in their rooms. I mean, I like your idea, Allie, that maybe the school should not be in your room because they're in their rooms like 20 hours a day. I found out anyway, last Friday, that my 17-year-old had not left our apartment since the previous Sunday. He hadn't left our apartment for five days. And I said, what do you mean? You got to go 
walk around the block and he was like why would I do that and like because you need to I'm like why would I do that and so I'm trying to force these sort of because you're a human being there's air outside because you're you need to see sunlight. And that's when he gets like, can you just leave me alone? Like, you're like, yeah, I guess I am kind of, you know, up his hindquarters about doing this. Like, I think you should be doing this. And he's like, mm, I'm actually, I'm here with my Snapchat on my bed. I'm good. And I don't know when to leave him alone. And when to say like, no, no, this, I insist. I know that's also, that's hard because yes, we also are their parents and their frontal right. lobe has not completely formed. And we actually right. do know what's right for them. So, you know, you got to eat vegetables. You got to get your vitamin D. Like these are just things you have to do right now. I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, I don't have boys. I always think, and it could be my daughters would say I'm totally sexist, but I feel like teenage boys need to run around a little bit. <laughs> so that's why I would think it was important. The other thing is we don't want them to get used to this buried mentality, meaning my eldest daughter does the same thing. She could like curl into her little bed and be there for days and watch Sofia Coppola movies and talk to her. Like she'd be so happy there. I just don't want that to become like the comfort place. You know what I mean? I don't want her to go to college and that's where she's going to live. So, you know, we enforce that kind of stuff. You know, we make them take a walk with us. We, you know, for their own good, mostly it's mostly for me, it's about, I don't want this habit to become the way she's going to live either in the long term. So yeah, I think they need to get out. And also I did a podcast called Decoding Boys and the doctor that I was speaking to said, don't automatically with boys, like let them close the door and isolate. You know, we're always like with our girls where I was like, come on, you want to, you know, bake, you want to, girls come out. They're more verbal. They, they socialize more. And this doctor was saying that you don't automatically assume the opposite for boys because sometimes they're depressed or they're suffering. And so don't automatically just go, oh, the door's closed. Oh, he's a teenage boy, which I thought was good news. And I had a friend who actually called me after she listened to it. And she said she has a two older girls and a younger son. And she said, that's how I've been viewing it. I was all over the girls, but yet I let my son just go lock himself in the room for hours. And that was like a big moment to me to go, wow, yeah, I got to go, you know, because I mean, it's not necessarily they're doing anything wrong, but, you know, there's dangers of the web. There's just a laziness that can lead to depression. It just can. And for somebody like me, I went through a depression in my 20s and my older brother used to force me to walk. Like, let's take a walk. Let's take a walk. And I was so angry. I didn't want to walk. I was just, I didn't want to leave my bed. And ultimately, it just helped that I was in fresh air, that I saw other human beings that, you know, again, there I felt a connection to the world. And, you know, that, you know, stupid puritanical little thing, like, let's take a walk. It actually really helped. Amy, you got to chase that kid out of the apartment and get him out and get him in the fresh air. I'm feeling it. Yeah, I think you do. I mean, whatever he likes to do. I don't know if he likes to play tennis or soccer, but just he needs to get out. That's not good. Yeah. And like right now, before it gets any colder. Go. Let's right? take a break from the podcast. Go and chase that kid outside. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go chase him. What's your address? <laughs> we're all coming to your house. All right. We're going to be right back after this break. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It 
adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Allie, let's talk about relationships in the time of COVID. We need you. Can our relationships be saved? You don't know us that well, but just give us your thoughts. Amy's got to chase a kid and I've got some paperwork to fill out. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, I think we have to readjust relationships a little bit right now. I mean, I think space is the big issue. So a lot of stuff happens when you don't have space. People lash out, you get into fights. Certainly you're not putting your best self forward. That is true. No, my best self has not been cited in quite some time. She's on vacay. Yeah. And I joke with my husband about it all the time. I'm like, I can't shave my legs for a while. So, <laughs> oh, but shaving my legs is the least of my husband's problems. He's like, could you just stop yelling at me? I don't care what you look like. I just want you to stop yelling. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the reality. So I actually think two things. I think one is, you know, and this was my marriage advice to my friends. When I married my husband, I didn't go into the marriage with the idea of like, you know what? I'm just going to give this my all. I went into this marriage and I was like, this is it. I am going to be married to George for the rest of my life. I didn't give myself any out. And I've had friends that have gotten married and they go in with an out. You know what I mean? They're like, look, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I went in with like, this is it. This is who I'm with for the rest of my life. And for me, that was really reassuring. And I really believe it. And I'm lucky enough that I'm like after 20 years, still hot for my husband. But the other thing is certainly during the pandemic, we had to allow space for each other. Now I was quarantined for three weeks, which, you know, who knows, he could have been heavily dating for all I know, you know, but we give each other space now. We really do. It's like, 
you know, if he's feeling anxious and he needs to like, I need to go run or I need to go, I'm going to make my phone calls by walking for a couple hours. I'm like, go do that. I got, you know, I have this, I'm going to make dinner or, you know, whatever it is. And there's times where I just say to him, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm trying to finish this script. I'm blah, 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 blah. And he'll go, all right, I got dinner. Why don't you just like, you know, whatever, go into the dining room and just write and, and I got it. So you have to be able to give and take a little bit and also give and take like literal space. I think that's so important. It's like, take that space. And here's the other one. And I believe this, you got to keep your physical relationship going. I don't care if you don't feel sexy, you don't feel happy. You have got to keep that going because then your roommate right. Right. And, and angry roommates. Like I always say, we're angry coworkers at the daycare. Basically, if you're not having some sort of physical and even I mean, physical intimacy, yes, but even happiness intimacy i have a tendency to like turtle shell in when things are wrong and i'm like nothing else to give i should never have gotten married this was a mistake i have to protect myself in my crazy carapace and i think that just smiling at my husband when he walks in the room and it's something i have to almost like write down like smile today because i tend to get in that mode of like, I'm just so overwhelmed. I've got nothing to give. I'm sorry. You're all just going to have to suffer. And the pandemic has not improved that. But I have been working at the thing of like, let's try to make this joyful. And we don't have a ton of space. We have a very stupidly open floor plan house. So we kind of have a small house where you can hear everyone in every other room. So it does get a little jangly, like the trumpet practice sometimes is enough to make me crazy. So one of the big things I'm doing is Amy introduced me to the concept of the Danish baby, that Danish people wrap their babies up and leave them outside of restaurants and go inside because they think the fresh air is good for a wrapped up baby. So I have put a lawn chair. I'm in New York. It's like, you know, 30 degrees, but I wrap myself up head to toe like a Danish baby and I just sit outside with my headphones on in the yard. Yeah. But by the way, you know, space doesn't have to be literal. You know what I mean? Space can be, you know, whatever that looks like to you. My space is we have this crazy hound dog and I take him out every morning for an hour and a half. He doesn't need an hour and a half walk. Right. You know what I mean? Like he does his business in the first five minutes, but that's how I get my space. I walk, I walk, walk, walk. And I think about, you know, stuff I need to do and think, and I turn my phone off, even though, you know, I'm getting texts, you know, (laughs) what's for breakfast. Can we have pancakes? I turn it off and that's my space. So, you know, you could go into a bathroom if you wanted and, you know, listen to Pavarotti on your headphones, like whatever space looks like for you, I think is important. And also, this is a thing I think that as women, we sort of fall into, which is, you know, your husband or your wife or your partner, they're your partner, like you're in this together. So there's no, it's like, I got to deal with all of this, right? You don't, you have a partner and we are so conditioned to not asking for help that I think during this time, we have to say to our partner, Hey, I'm spent. I'm done. I've hit the wall. I like, I need to go into my room and watch Bob's burgers. You got to take over for me. And they have to be receptive to that. And you should be able to do that. You know what I mean? There's two of you. Yes. I had a quiet breakthrough in my own marriage this morning. My husband said to me, "Uh, I have a eight o'clock call kind of important. Can you walk taking our daughter to school? Can you do that today? And that was totally I I was so shocked that he said that because, of course, for the 
last, you know, 18 years of our raising kids together, yes, I'm the default parent. I walk the kids to school. If he does, it's, you know, super special daddy day. Mm-hmm. And just for him to say, do you mind taking her from me today when for 18 years it's been me saying that and I took that for the gift that it was that was really a new way of thinking yes that's only possible because he's around so much he travels constantly but not since March he's here every day and he understands the things that I do in a whole new way which is that's really good and if you appreciate it and you reinforce that it'll happen more often and then it'll be his pleasure to do it. And then, you know, you start to even out the playing field in terms of, you know, the other thing is, I will say in this pandemic, the one thing I was sort of on top of with my kids was, Hey, chores, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, we're all in this together. I'm happy to make dinner, but you know, you guys, you can do the dishes and here, this is a toilet wand. Let me show you how it works. (laughs) This mysterious item will now be part of your life. Yes. Because I think it's really important in the we're all in this together thing that our kids are part of that. It's like, yeah, you know, we're all going through, you know, a hard thing and I'm not going to be, you know, making your bed and taking, you know, menu orders the night before. Like you do your thing, do your part. I think that's important. And even for littler kids, my eight-year-old is making mac and cheese with boiling water. Like, that's something I would have never considered allowing her to do. And I know people are saying their four-year-olds are, you know, really helping pick up. And again, don't miss that lesson, too. Like, we, that, often the default is it's easier, right? If we do it ourselves, it's faster, it's easier. We're busy. We've got other jobs. We're trying to get to our stuff. So like, it's easier if we just do it and get it done. But now we can't get our stuff done. And I think that's right. I think the big thing and we coming to it is giving voice to stuff saying to my husband i am so sorry but i am at the breaking point and i'm gonna go danish baby for an hour and please don't talk to me i'm not mad at you but i have to have some alone time and saying to my kids sometimes hey i'm super overwhelmed i've gone from you know having a job and doing a bunch of different stuff and then greeting you when you come home to i'm homeschooling three kids and I'm making all of these meals and I need you guys to pitch in a little bit more. And I have found, I mean, my kids are definitely not like, yes, mother dearest, let us help you. We would love to. But I do find that when I present my vulnerability, I'm not trying to hang my stuff on them and make, you know, put my burdens on them. But when I present a little bit of vulnerability to my family, it's a nice access point for them to, I find they're more willing to help me out. Yes. And by the way, the other thing is I use humor to parent because if you get tired of, yeah. you know, being mad and being, humor works incredibly well. So when, you know, my daughter will say, can we have pancakes for breakfast? I'll go, yeah, I'd love some. Or if they're, you know, going to a Halloween party and they're a sexy cat and they come down the stairs and I go, oh, hi. So you're a Kardashian now. So you live in Calabasas, California. You know, I do it in a different way because I found particularly with teenagers that if you confront them with you are not allowed you can't you know they get their shackles go up but if you joke around with them they're much more receptive and i think particularly now too when we're all on top of each other at home you know i'll make a joke like i'll say oh by the way make sure to check your menus before you go to bed but got to be out before midnight on your door just because (laughs) i'm trying to show them the absurdity of you know choices for breakfast you know what i mean 
And in relationships, this has been, I mean, I sound like I'm about to get a divorce from my husband. Everyone knows my husband is the nicest person in the world. I am the problem child because I am mentally unstable and I'm you're the monster. We've established it. (laughs) I am a monster now currently locked in a cage and I'm not doing great, guys. But my husband is super sweet, very even tempered and just like a solidly good guy. So the only problem is he's now living with like a rabid tiger. And so I do find, too, that in trying to joke around more and come from that place of humor. And we, someone had a quote on their wall or something that was like, to be married to your hero. And it just stuck with us. And so it's become our default language where like he leaves, you know, whatever the groceries outside and they all melt. I'm like, to be married to my hero. Yeah. Uh, just another great day of being married to my hero. <laughs> and it it's a language that says like, I kind of hate you, but also... We're kind of still on the same team and in this together and we can recognize the absurdity of it. Absolutely. Versus like, let's have a screaming fight about what you did, which is really a simple mistake that I could have done too. Yeah, no, I have the exact same thing. Also, you can choose whether you, you know, like my husband will sometimes say to me, oh, so you want to have a fight right now? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's the point of this. Because you can kind of choose. It's like, oh, you know, whatever. He locked the keys in the car. You know, I could get incredibly enraged, you know, which is just, you know, back taxes of other things. Or I can just go, oh, all right, let's call AAA. Right. You're going to pull out the suitcase and just start flinging stuff from the bottom. Yeah. And sometimes it really is a choice. I mean, really. I love that back taxes of other things. It's, <laughs> it's an apt metaphor. Right. Let me look in these files. Yeah, they build, they build, the build. And the next thing you know, you're like screaming at him because, you know, he left his boxers on the floor in 1984. And, you know, he has no idea. Which was wrong of him. Let's be clear. It was wrong. Yes. I've even gotten better at that, though, in the pandemic of having those, the fights that are about the back taxes, so to speak. And then sort of, you know, being like, okay, it's a pandemic. I'm just going to compartmentalize the part that happened before 7.15 this morning. And then at 7.30, walk in the kitchen and be like, oh, hi, I'll make you some coffee and like start over. It's a pandemic. Everybody has several passes that they can use at their will during this difficult time. I do the young Frankenstein thing, you know, where he's like, whatever happens, do not open the door. Do not let me out of the room. Yeah. And I'm like, sometimes I'll just say to my husband, it's not a good day. Whatever happens, just run away from me. Just separate, you know, like whatever happens, it's not going to go well from my point of view. So (laughs) So be warned. And the other thing is you got to say I love you a lot, even if you don't feel it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I love you. That's it. Yeah. Because you do love him. You're just, you do love him. That's the bottom line. You really do. Yeah, the pandemic's not his fault, Margaret. Mm, newsflash, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we sure of that? I feel like we haven't totally gotten to the roots of this thing. We're not 100% sure. I mean, I want more evidence, but I take your point. Allie, tell us about what you're working on these days and where we can find the podcast and you all over the place. I'm working as a sh- short order cook, but also <laughs> Can we come over. Yes. My podcast is Go Ask Allie, and you can find it wherever you subscribe to your podcast. It's Shondaland and iHeartRadio. I'm also writing a TV series that has been keeping me very busy that will star Deborah Messing. And so I've been writing a lot. Oh, amazing. I love her. Yeah. And growing a family and just trying to keep it all together. I wish I actually really miss acting, performing, but there's nothing to do right now. So, right. But yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. So that's my life. 
It's been so fun talking to you. And I feel like I actually got a lot out of this. I'm going to go say I love you to each of my family members like a lot today. I think I maybe have let that be implicit. My family's going to be like, what's wrong with you? And I'm going to be like, we had Allie Wentworth on the podcast today. Okay. (laughs) Love you. Love you. I love you. We love you. Well, I mean, you haven't started taking my medication yet, but yes, we can start with I love you and then work from there. Allie, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really a treat to have you. Thank you, you guys. It was a treat to be here. I really appreciate it. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.